Welcome back, everybody, to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino. And my guest today is the founder and CEO of saoleverage.com and author of the Erica Framework. Welcome, everybody, Gerd Melak. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Simon. So cool to have you here. And we talk SAO, how to be found by the world and uh, why consistency matters. But first, what are you currently creating? I'm currently creating a product uh, we developed specifically for my SEO consulting clients to make sure they can streamline their consistent execution work when it comes to SEO, which ultimately, and we might talk about this a little bit later maybe, um, is one of the main secrets if there are around SEO and uh, around getting high rankings. Yeah, let's dive directly into it. So first, SAO, what is it and for whom it is vital, for whom it's just important? Great question. Um, SEO stands for search engine optimization. Everybody uses search engines probably multiple times a day, directly, indirectly, via some other service. Um, ultimately, we know that having a high ranking on Google when someone searches for your product or for your service or for your content has a value because it drives the higher you rank, the more traffic, the more visitors you can drive to a website. And those visitors are particularly special, uh, especially when you compare it to uh, social media, for example. Imagine on social media, you're in line at the Starbucks, checking your phone, some, an ad comes up or something like this. It's not necessarily the moment where you can consume content. Whereas when it's about search marketing, SEO or Google ads in this case, people are in a special moment in their life. So they have set aside time because now they are going to check out what uh, a certain uh, what providers are there, what a certain topic is about, etc. I was just checking out uh, potentially maybe purchasing a new car towards the end of this year. So at some point I go to Google, open up and, and search for the brand. I have set aside a few minutes and all my kids are playing for a while, so I leverage the time and um, can do some research. So we have someone who is searching actively for something, has set some aside some time, and we can impact them with content we create specifically for their needs based on their search query. So the way Google does this, the Google, Google wants to give the most relevant result to those people. So depending on what they search, when they search, what's the search history, a lot of other factors, Google determines which of the websites might be the best search result for them uh, to see on Google and can then rank those results higher. In our uh, case, we're an SEO agency at SEO Leverage. We try to help people increase their rankings. So we have tactics, strategies uh, that enable us to increase people's rankings. To give you an idea, uh, they say the best place to hide a dead body is on page two of Google because nobody looks there. So everybody tries to get on page one in order to get potential impacts, potential visitors to their website. Very often having a page one ranking or a page two ranking can be the difference between having the phone ring all the time and get inquiries or having to fire people because you have too much stuff. I have experienced this um, on my own. I had a um, technical support business a few years back 
and it was really the difference between being crazy busy and not being busy was when Google decided to show us for a certain key term, we knew exactly which one it was, on page one, we were crazy busy. If we were on page two, we had too many people on, on the team. So this is how much impact is there because the intent people go to Google with is extremely strong. They want to find out uh, what's the solution to their problem. They want to find a possible partner, a possible provider, a po potential uh, future client or um, service business or whatever the situation might be. The intent is really strong. And depending on how they search, they might be about to purchase. Not like on when social media, not saying social media is bad, is one important pillar about the strategy, but there is a major difference. On social media, I might get impacted by car brands because I have been navigating sites related to car purchases, car um, retailers, etc. I might get impacted, but it's not right now, it's not the time. But once I do specific searches on Google, where I want to test drive, I want to, I don't know, find the best price, comparison between two models, etc. I'm very close to the to the purchase already. So this is also increasing the potential impact of a search result on Google. So if somebody was thinking, hey, is this SAO thing really relevant to me? Well, it can make the difference between the phone ringing or not ringing. So it is relevant. And mm -hmm. I want to know from you the five most important things that everybody should do every week after one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. Let's say I just have time to do five things every week to improve my ranking. What should I do? Essentially, we have come up with a framework we call Erica. I wrote a book about it. We published this on Amazon. Um, and the framework, we came up with it. It's not five things, but it's five components of a consistent execution that really makes sense. Um, so the same way as I, for for my fitness, I need to go to the gym, I need to eat healthy food, I can't drink too much uh, Coke at night, I can't do too much coffee, I have to drink a glass of water in the, in the morning. There are some certain things I know that if I keep up the rhythm of doing these things, I'm going to be in a good shape. And the same thing happens in, in SEO. There are about probably 200 things that influence where someone ranks. But probably we know in the industry, probably we know about 30, everything else is buried down in Google's algorithm. And of those 30, we probably, in depending on the situation of a website, we probably focus on three or four. So what we really do is we, every uh, couple of weeks, we revisit the entire situation. So, okay, where is this website on the competitive landscape? Where does it get the traffic from? What URLs does it depend upon, meaning certain pages on the website that might be driving the most traffic. So many people, for example, only check out the overall traffic they have in analytics, but don't break it down to which channel, from which channel does this come from? Does this come from social media or does this come from search engines? Does it come from paid ads or direct visitors? This needs to be broken down so we have some data behind it. And um, we also need to know what is uh, what the competitive landscape is or what is working for competitors right now where are my competitors in google getting traffic and competitors in google are not the same as competitors for my business necessarily a competitor in google is everybody who drives attention to their website instead of mine and it can be a forum sometimes it's a reddit thread sometimes it's a blog post we want to be aware of those things and see who is taking attention away from my site and getting it to theirs what is working for them? What can we leverage? How can we take advantage of this? 
and uh, then make sure that we implement the right processes on the site. So this is the E for America is evolution, where we say, what is the evolution of the site? What is the current uh, situation? We want to make sure that the site owner and we as consultants know exactly what is um, what is happening on the site to make the next. Let's uh, go deeper into this first point. So because my, our SEO team, when they bring me the report of what Google sees as our competitor, it's usually nuts. It's not firms who are doing what we do. It's just some, some random words that people associate with. Mm -hmm. And so what how do you how do you set the first set of keywords because most people struggle with finding the first set which they then can improve on but let's say you don't have data yet because mm -hmm. you're just starting out with sao how do you find your first set of keywords and how many should they be we usually do a large keyword research initially when we start with a project. Okay, sometimes this keyword research can be informed by an existing Google Ads campaign. So if you have been running Google Ads, you already have a conversion set up on your site and you know if you um, spend a certain amount of money on ads for a certain keyword, this is how the Google Ads works. So you, you bid on certain keywords to appear when they are being searched for. Very often this information can uh, be informative where we already know what works or what never worked. This already gives us a little bit of a direction. Otherwise, in general, we have a, a briefing with our client, get an idea what their current clients uh, are about, what are they purchasing, what are they interested in, what are the main questions that pop up on the sales department um, phone calls, for example, uh, where they say, okay, everybody wants to know this and that. Everybody in SEO, for example, wants to know if there is how long it's going to take until they are number one on all the terms they want to rank for, right? It's a common question. People don't know how this works and we explain it to them. Um, so very often business owners or their sales department have a very good idea what are the main topics that are interesting in this space, okay? So um, this can definitely be informative. We then have specific tools, Google's tools and other external third-party tools that help us analyze and come up with a large list. Usually it's a, a few hundred, a few thousand very often terms where we know how often they are probably approximately being searched for. This is not specific numbers, but it gives us an idea what has like 10 times the searches a certain term has. So it's not the same ranking for iPhone or iPhone repair shore and shop in the south of Sydney, for example, right? There are two different queries around the same topic, but the competition is going to be largely different. So ranking for iPhone today is going to be next to impossible, whereas ranking for the iPhone car repair store in the south of Sydney is probably not so competitive. So we want to pick our battles. Some keywords are being searched for a lot, but it might be too hard to get in there and have a realistic chance to rank. Some might be not competitive at all, but maybe there are two people a month searching for those and only one might end up on our website and every three months one might really purchase from us. So it, it's not enough volume. We need then to figure out strategic ways on which terms to target. And here at SEO Leverage, we have many, developed process. Many might think, why thousands of keywords? Is it that you want to rank a little bit in every in every one, or is it that you are testing which are the winning ones? Thousands of keywords because we are going to then have a filter process where we filter them we ask our clients to filter them with their industry knowledge. We're not experts in, in anything. We have clients 
talking about ferrets, we have clients talking about internet service providers. Uh, we know in the meantime a little bit about hair extensions and also probably classical guitar. We have a little bit of everything. We have a really good um, industry selection here, but we are not experts. We need an industry expert to look through those keywords and say, look, these are completely unrelated. These are not important. This is not what we do. This is what we do. We ask the client to highlight then uh, on the on the top section of this document the most important ones and then we go deeper into our research and say okay look now we know the top 20 terms you want to rank for the other ones we're going to keep them for the moment for a for a later moment but then we dive deeper into those 10 key topics and then we need to understand one thing a url a website a web page isn't only ranking for one single keyword we have there are websites out there that rank for a thousand different keywords so when you start grouping this long list of 3,000 keywords up and say, okay, everything, uh, this is about business coaching and everything that uh, talks about um, coaching e-commerce clients, we can group it together and see if we can uh, create content around these topics. And probably it might be 200 of those keywords already condensed in one strategy. And then we do this again and again and again to make sure we cover the ground where we th see think our expertise lies, where our client base is, where we think we can convert well, etc. We break this then down and try to convert it as soon as possible into action steps. Pros and cons of doing SEO in your team or having an agency doing it for you? Pros, probably the only pro I can really think of, and probably bias as an agency, but I think it's, it's just really something that's really complex. It got really complex over the years. So we are a team now of, of more than 20 people working on clients' projects, um, and people are specialized within SEO. Very similar to uh, when you run Facebook ads, people might be specialized on copywriting, they might be specialized on advertorials, they might be specialized on, on image design or video, etc. You have the same thing in SEO. So if you want to do it in-house, you need to be prepared to have several roles, apart from at least one or two people with a long experience in SEO. I've been doing this for 20 years. This doesn't mean doesn't make me a good SEO directly just because it's 20 years, but I've seen a lot of things. I've seen people putting white text on white background to trick Google and getting their, their sites ranked. This actually worked 20 years ago. Um, we have seen all the algorithm updates. Someone might have heard about this Panda and, and, and Penguin and Pigeon and I don't know how they were called. We have seen a lot of things and have a in the meantime, I think developed a realistic feeling of where Google is going with their updates, what they are trying to achieve in the future, where they're going to lie, um, have their, their focus on. Nobody knows exactly, uh, but we have a really good feeling over the years. So this is really hard to have in-house unless you have someone who has been doing this for a long time and can direct your team and give strategic advice what to focus on. Otherwise, what we see is happens happens is that people over years work on the wrong things. So we have people over years uh, putting up podcast transcription, podcast transcription, podcast transcription, right? And this is the content marketing they have until they see this is not something Google really wants to rank anymore. Because oh, oh. User expectations yeah. shift all the time. That's what we are asked all the time. Uh, my team says, hey, Simon, let's do every interview. Let's transcribe it and create a long form article that's good for SEO. Is that right? No. No, it's not right. And, and when I explain it, very often it's, un, it's understandable. Google wants to make users happy, right? 
full stop. This is what they want. This is what made them great because they were just having the best search results, to be honest. Um, a user coming to a page with a very long transcription of half an hour, an hour long podcast, for example, is probably not going to be a happy user. Whoever read a transcription, I think I read two or three in my entire life when my children were small, they were babies, they were sleeping, I didn't want to switch on the video and wanted to consume a piece of content. Um, reading a transcription isn't fun, right? So you need to find a, a better way to present the text to an audience that wants to read. You have the video or the audio to an audience that wants to listen or watch, but out of 10 people that come to your site, there might be five or six that prefer to read. And those five or six are not going to be happy if the only thing you have for them is a transcription. So they're going to leave your page and they're going to click on another thing. And the idea here is that Google keeps track of those things. It's really easy to, for Google to know who clicked on the first result they presented, came back a few seconds later and clicked on the second one and never came back. So what, what is Google going to take out of this? They're going to register that the first site didn't make the user as happy as the second site, probably. Depends on the search query and the segment, et cetera, in general terms, okay? So we want to make sure that users, whatever they have come to our page with, or what's the, re the, the real search intent, the intent, the reason why they executed their search, our site needs to cover this, needs to make sure they understand that our site is the best result possible. If it's a long transcription, very often without formatting, without highlighting, without in internal links, structure, etc., it's not going to be the case. Whereas if you have a topic you talk about today, we talk about SEO. You could either um, use this transcription and put it on the website, or you could write an article that's in line with what Google wants to um, rank when it comes to SEO for entrepreneurs, for example, and then put this optimized article on the site and have an, a fully featured article that's written in order to be read, whereas the transcription was put together in order to be there for whatever reason, right? Is, not is the amount of time that people stay on the page? It's said to be uh, a factor, whereas, but it also comes down to, to why they came to the page. How long are you going to stay on a page that tells you the height of the Eiffel Tower, right? probably two seconds until you spot the height and you leave the page. It's even even more Google now gives a lot of answers directly in Google without us having to open up a page, mm -hmm. okay? So depending on the search query, it's completely different. If I search for um, car dealership comparison in, um, I don't know, Madrid, or I, I search for um, how to get from the Plaza Mayor in Madrid to the, the Cuatro Torres, the four towers, right? There is a, a clear difference in search intent and the time I'm going to spend on this page is going to depend on the individual query. And this is something uh, we have seen over the years shift a lot. It used to be very dependent on the industry. So different industries appear to be working a little bit differently, but now it's really on a query by query basis. Google knows with their machine learning algorithm, artificial intelligence, et cetera, they can bring this down to a query level and they are working on bringing this down to a personal level because what I think, what me, makes me happy as a search result doesn't have to be the same 
what makes you happy as a search result. You might prefer long in-depth articles. I might prefer a quick overview and then decide if I want to read the long article or not. So this is where everything goes a little bit more towards uh, personalization and we're going to see where this brings us. But Google can break it down to a query by query label. So things like the dwell time you're referring to, the time people spend on a website can be sometimes something they might be taking into account, sometimes not at all. Wow. And so what are typical mistakes like this one? Uh, just put a lot of content on your page and it will increase as you. What are typical mistakes that you see that you want to correct? I'm giving one thing away, which is an easy one, but people don't consider it important enough. Um, in general, many people do not consider the search snippet as it comes up on Google important enough. So what happens for the usual person working on a website adding content is that they spend quite an amount of time on writing the article. And then they spend two minutes on writing what's called the meta title and meta description. So this is the Yoast plugin very often on WordPress. Some people will, will be familiar with this. Yoast, Rank, Math are the two plugins there. We quickly type something in because we are done, right? We quickly type this in, hit publish, and then the task is done, right? What happens though is that these two last texts you put in are the sales representative for the search result. So this is going to decide what I read there is the, called the meta title and the meta description. This is what I'm going to read on Google in general, right? This is going to decide whether I click on this result or not. So very often you can, you can get a better performance than a site that ranks higher just by having a better text and description there. So many people will use these texts to sell their services and say, okay, we have, um, I don't know, car tires on from $150 or something like that directly in the snippet. But they missed the point. The point of the snippet is not to tell the to sell the service. This is the role of the website afterwards. The role of the snippet is to make sure that the Google user understands that this is the best possible answer to their question. And this requires some time. So people need to spend some time here. And we have our clients consistently, as everything, uh, work on a few URLs every week and make sure they are optimized in order to leverage this. We have, because ultimately there is a click-through rate we know from Google Ads, from Facebook Ads, on Google Organic as well, meaning Google not paid search results. So if a search snippet comes up 100 times and it gets clicked once, this is a 1% click-through rate. If you check this out and analyze this, you're going to see that some of your URLs might get a 3%, 5%, 15% or more, and some might get a 0 0.3, 0 0.5. So this is the moment where we really want to know what are those search snippets. Apparently, people are not convinced with what they see. Okay. What is the Erica framework? We, we just started it. Can you complete it? Absolutely. Erica, we started with E, which is evolution. So we get an idea what is the status quo, what is the status quo for us, for our competitors, and check what have we just been doing, how is this working. The R stands for research. And research is probably one of the most underrated aspects of SEO, I think. And this is very often also something that in in-house teams, I see not going far enough. Research, there's a lot of research involved. Google SEO means that we want to present Google with something they really like and they are convinced about. So a lot of research goes into this, uh, a lot of high professional 
very expensive tools we have as agencies um, at our disposal are required just to come up with this intel if you want in order to draw the right conclusions afterwards. So there's a lot of research going in, the keywords, the uh, competitors, the user experience, testing, et cetera. All these things go into, into the research step and need to be taken care of on a regular basis. Then the I in Erica stands for interlinking. It's internal links and external links. Links for Google are a vote of confidence, meaning another site endorses my site if they link to me in a certain context. Now, it doesn't help too much if the local plumber is going to link to my internationally acting SEO, lever SEO leverage website. Google can see there's not really a relation. But if someone in the business space, in a marketing space, et cetera, links to an SEO agency, Google can certainly draw their conclusions out of that and say, look, this is something we are going to take into account. And Originally, in many years ago, it used to be a sheer number. So how many people link to you? How many people link to me? If you have five links and I have two, you're ranking higher than I do, right? Google has been, uh, thankfully, becoming much smarter about this and is now able to check, are those links really relevant or from all the links that point to your site, which ones can I ignore? Which ones should I pay special attention to? And then figures out uh, what needs to be done. Google, at its core, is still content and links, and this hasn't changed. What brought Google where they are today, essentially, is that they figured out that the more links a website gets, the higher the chance that it's going to make users happy, because it's probably more popular, more people endorse it, more people link to it. This was the main premise, and this hasn't changed. Google has added more layers of algorithm complexity on top, but at its core, it's still link-based, content and link-based. So these are the two elements we definitely want to take into account. And links here are also internal links. So how different articles on your site are coming together, which article links to which article. There is a strategy behind it that can be leveraged to make sure that link choose or page rank, as we call it in SEO very often, flows in the appropriate way throughout your page. Then we have C for content. Content is king. It's content and links, as we were saying. So we want to know what content went down, what content went up in rankings, which content need are we missing on our page, where our audience apparently seems to be talking about this, but we don't uh, have a content that relates to this, or the sales department saying, look, suddenly people ask us for such and such. Okay, Maybe we should also have a content about this in our um, on our website, on our blog, and start trying to rank for this. And then A is action steps. So for us, it's really important to focus on execution. It's great to have the nicest plans, the biggest um, ideas and, and visions for this year, what's going to happen on the site. We managed to break it down into real bite-sized pieces that can be executed in the next three, two weeks. So we have a two-week rhythm. Every couple of weeks, my team and I prepare what are the high-impact steps someone can be focusing on. They get this program, we record a video. Initially, we do a few calls to, to get them familiar with the program. We record this, we lay this out and say, look, in the next two weeks, based on all this we have now been working uh, through, these are the steps we think have the highest impact. And then in two weeks, we do this again. And then two weeks afterwards, we do this again. And this is the consistent execution that's working really, really well for clients that essentially keeps them with us because they kind of see results. And when you see results, you don't want to switch provider. So this is what, what's good for us because clients usually stick with us once they have uh, a grasp on this, um, on this program. And then uh, results compound over time. 
So very often it takes a few weeks until you see slowly an improvement because you're tackling a lot of stuff. But then it's really optimizing article after article after article. We just had a client uh, in an admittedly not too competitive space, but still getting like a 60% plus after a few weeks just by following consistently the right things and thinking a little bit more about their audience and less about their industry. So very often as entrepreneurs, and it happens to me as well in my industry, we are really focused on what we know, what we have been doing for years, and we know what is interesting and we know what people should know about this. Um, but very often we need to take a step back and say, okay, what are my users really looking for? My users might not know what SEO is. My users might not uh, know the difference between Google Ads and SEO. My users might not know what a keyword is. So maybe I need to pick them up completely in a different stage where they see search for what is SEO rather than the best SEO agency that can help them with their, with their program. Cool. And what about low ticket and high ticket service? B2C, B2B, for who is it more important? I think it's important for everybody, but you need to pick people up what the, at their stage in the buyer cycle, okay? So the buyer's journey covers all kinds of things from the first awareness uh, until the purchase and, and beyond. Search queries are going to be different. This is where I brought in the transactional um, terms before, for example, if I search for brown shoes, um, size six in Vienna, I'm probably very close to a purchase. Okay. If I just search for brown shoes and I don't even specify it's for me, if, if they're for my wife, I'm probably very far away from a purchase. I've got no idea what I'm going to do. So this is where the research phase really needs to be, um, or the, the keyword research needs to be broken down into when are those people going to execute this search? And depending on how much content you have, how much content you can create, you might want to start earlier or closer to the closer to the actual purchase. Ideally, you would rank close to the actual purchase for a start because those are going to give you the fastest ROI because if you make them rank, they're going to come in. But then we need to see that depending on the industry, the buying cycle might take two years. I already wanted a new car last year and I might purchase it this year because my car is still okay. I don't need it right now, but I'm still researching, right? So the buyer cycle uh, can be very long. We were working with office refurbishment companies, for example, where people ask for a quote to get the office redone based on what they see before they purchase the office space. Okay, so they grab a picture from the plan from the website, from the real, uh, retail website, uh, real estate website, sorry, send this to the office refurbishment company, say, what would it cost if I did this, 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 and that on this office? So I have a total idea about the total uh, costs involved, purchase plus refurbishment, and then I make my decision in a few months. So very often we need to bridge this cycle and we need to start earlier because people are not going to pick the latest choice just because this has just come up. They're going to need to establish trust with this company. Okay, this very often happens in coaching spaces as well, happens to us in agencies. People want to build up this trust over time and get close and close and might download something, might listen to a podcast, might watch a video, etc. have their own process. Everybody goes through their process. It's a long game and we need to cover multiple um, stages a potential client goes through. If this is then, we have been doing SEO for B2B, B2C, e-commerce, uh, lead generation, all kinds of spaces. It's not vastly different. The queries are different and the buying cycle is different. It's very clear. 
So people, we are doing a ton of mistakes and Get is the man if you want to find out what your mistakes are and how you can improve your findability. Get, you can pick one person when everybody's zigging, this person is zagging and they get the strategy award. <laughs> um, I think in my case, it would be uh, James Remco. Mm. I've been in his, in his group, Superfast Business, uh, for I think six or seven years already, have learned a lot, have gone through many, many optimization cycles in, in my own agency, different projects, different ideas, visions, etc. Um, but it's interesting that after so many years, I can understand he's always ahead of the curve, and which makes him really an interesting person for me to follow and see what he's doing really. Not he, he can, uh, I have to break it down to my industry then afterwards, but just the way he approaches things with a very long perspective, uh, long-term game, big on relations, big on one-to-one -one conversations, etc. I think this, uh, he started with this when everybody was still working on uh, talking about automation. Everybody was talking about automated email. Uh, I don't know what, now the industry shifts, but he, for example, has been doing this all, all, all the time, essentially. Okay, so I think this would be James Remco, definitely. And um, what did you recently change your mind about? <laughs> um, I, I've heard I've heard a saying once where they say, if, if you still agree with what you said last year, you're not evolving enough. Mm -hmm. or, or something along these lines. And I very often get reminded about this because obviously the journey as an entrepreneur, as a CEO changes uh, over time. I think I would mention team size because I used to have a team for many, many years, a very small team. I was always looking into having like a team of four or five plus external freelancers. And I thought this was the way to go. Right now we, I think uh, next week we have team member number 21 joined the team. Um, things work at least as smoothly as they did before. We are able to help many more business owners this way. Um, I'm not working vastly more than I did with four team members. We have account managers, we have uh, people in the assistance, et cetera, that help with the process. We have lined up everything with standard operating procedures, SOPs, in order to make sure everybody knows how things are done in this company. We bring in new people all the time. It has become easy for us to grow. By the time we bring in new clients, we can grow the team. Bring in new clients, can grow the team. And this is definitely something I would not have expected um, to be true for us. I was always having this kind of consulting um, thing in mind where I said, okay, we only, it's, it, it, I used, I started out myself, right? By myself, I was the consultant, but I also was the programmer. I also did the Facebook ads. I also did the Google ads. I did a, few, a little bit of everything, many, many years of programming, um, and then slowly handed things off. But yeah, when I started handing things off, I thought, um, yeah, probably yeah, four or five people is probably manageable. Um, this allows us to train, and then we just um, outsource to freelancers on an occasional basis. But things have been improving a lot uh, by selecting great team members, investing a lot of time in their training, that's for sure. Uh, but things have been evolving a lot and changing a lot in this aspect. Cool. Who should be my next guest? I think it could be interesting to uh, interview Anthony Jansenmuth. I'm going to put you in touch with him if you want. He's a content strategist, has a lot of experience in content marketing, um, and is now bringing up a new concept 
which is case study marketing, where he's doing a really good job in presenting, interviewing uh, clients, presenting case studies in a way that they can really be a central element in your marketing. And everybody essentially wants to identify somehow with an offer, which makes, in my point of view, this makes it really interesting. So everybody wants to identify with an offer and there's probably no better way to identify it as if you see a case study from someone in a similar situation. So you see someone who has been losing their rankings in Google and now with SEO leverage came, uh, got the rankings back and then even tripled their results. We have case studies like these. He's specializing in case study marketing. And I think with the growing, the growing number of competitors where you're not really sure if you can trust them or not, new brands coming in, et cetera, working with case studies has a big future. And I'm really looking forward to you know, seeing where he goes with this. So I would definitely uh, recommend you to bring him on. So cool. Everybody, get Melak, the Erica framework. All your SAO topics, you should ask him. So thank you so much, Gat, for being on the show and sharing you. your knowledge and specific apl applicable tips with us. Come back soon. Thank you so much, Simon. It was a pleasure. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.